Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated. My honorary co-host is joining the show once again today. And, of course, whenever John is on the show, these episodes are brought to you by LinkedIn. Get the applicants you need for free. A tons of jobs on LinkedIn, especially if you're into coaching. I know there'll be some uh, coaching opportunities in Norman, Oklahoma, coming up real soon. John, <laughs> John, I want to talk about rat poison. Right. And, and Nick Saban kind of made that a, a football term talking about rat poison, not getting too enamored with the team, not you know reading the press, press clippings, not believing what everybody is saying about you. And you can say that Texas may have fell victim a little bit to rat poison after the Alabama game because everybody was like, oh, my God, you know, it was a 20 point spread. They, they almost won the game and lost by one. And so everybody was like, oh, my God, it's Texas. Are they back? They can compete with any team in the country. And then after that, you let down a little bit. You go down 17 to 7 to UTSA, ultimately win that game. And then the following week, you lose to Texas Tech. Now, since then, they beat West Virginia and Oklahoma by a combined 49 points. I mean, excuse me, a combined 67 points. They beat Oklahoma by 49. Now is the time where that rat poison starts to seep back in. You got Joel Klatt saying it's a travesty that Texas is not ranked in the top 15. You got Josh Pate saying that Texas is obviously a top 10 team in the country. You got people saying that with Quinn Ewers, Texas would be 6-0 and at this point, <laughs> right? Like everybody is basically saying Texas is back now, right? And this is the perfect opportunity to fall victim to rat poison this weekend against Iowa State because when you look at it and how this is gone, Iowa State has not lost a conference game by 17 points since 2016. But the spread for this game is 16 and a half points, according to Bet Online. Texas has not beaten Iowa State since 2018. Iowa State is only allowing 16 points a game to their Power 5 opponents. Now, they're only scoring 13 points a game against Power 5 opponents, but their defense has been really good. And like I said, Texas is favored by 17 over Iowa State who hasn't lost a conference game by 17 in six years. Now, Texas has won all four of their games by 18-plus points. If you're a betting person, I'm not telling you what you should do either way. I'm just giving you the facts, you know? Not even the Iowa State game specifically, John, you know, because I, I think they'll win that game. I don't care if they win it convincingly or not. We just need to stack wins at this point. But what does Texas need to do to avoid the rat poison moving forward in the back half of their schedule because – Six games into the season, everybody is higher than high on this Texas football team right now. Yeah, it's a really great question and topic, right, Jonathan? This is this is where we are reminded, hey, there's a lot of coverage, right? When Texas is on or, or way off, the coverage comes in, in droves, right? So you're going to experience it, whether it's social media, the TVs in the cafeteria, whatever it is, you're going to feel it. It's going, it's going to reach out. It's going to touch you to a degree. So this is always an important question to pose because, remember, these are, in some cases, teenagers, right? A lot of young players on this offense in particular, but overall, still college kids, right? Young young kids that are still trying to figure this thing out. So much easier to slip into the rat poison conversation um, and co in college football than maybe any other sport, right? Because it's so overly covered day to day i mean look at the lockdown network right it's every single day with every team so your team every day right you're gonna you're gonna feel it at some point um so i do think this is an opportunity not only for the coaching staff to double down on 
let's keep everything in house. You know, let's run this thing like a professional organization and not worry about all that outside noise, but also for some of those older players on defense, right? The, the guys who have been here and done that um, through the good, the bad, the ugly, the coaching change, everything, right? Those are the players you expect to start to trickle down and say, hey, you know, let's let's refocus and regather and hit this work week, which is, you know, between yesterday and today is the beginning of the true work week in college football. And let's hit it hard and prepare for a physical Iowa State program. Because if you look at that game, which won't be easy, right? Right after that, a couple of big time road trips. And then TCU comes to Texas. So this stretch right here and then Kansas all of a sudden is is more interesting, even though Texas was always going to get up for Kansas, which is funny to say out loud. College football is hilarious. Right. I mean, the, uh, you look at the rest of this slate, these last six games. If Baylor is the team that we're not talking about as much as all of the others, think about that. The defending Big 12 champs are the ones that you're like, oh, yeah, and then Baylor at the end. Right. So this this whole thing is a gauntlet here going forward. Um, and I think it, it's always a good reminder to to recenter there, because if the Big 12 championship is is kind of the next goal, that has to be reiterated and you have to follow it up. It can't be one great outing. We've seen Texas do that. Right. We see Texas do that uh, every year. It feels like one great outing where you're like, is, are they back? Right. We've been asking that for for over a decade. So the key is to follow it up. Good teams follow it up. And it, it, it doesn't mean you have to be great. It doesn't mean you have to be very good. It means you got to find ways to win, right? You, you're going to have dud performances, right? I mean, you look at look at the best teams, right? Uh, Georgia against Missouri. I mean, was on the ropes. I mean, that Missouri team, no disrespect, is awful. Just awful. They can't, they can't move the football. They can't set the line of scrimmage. They do have a good uh, defense, I think, uh, but they they can't hold the ball offensively. So Georgia even ha- has found a way to win its dud games, even the week before against Kent State. Alabama, I mean, maybe some consider Texas the dud game uh, from Alabama. Maybe maybe it was A&M this, this past uh, Alabama week. fans were pissed after that Texas game. Like, you, you would not have thought that they won that game the way they were walking around. They were pissed. Right. So you have, but you, but you found a way to win, right? It was, it was ugly, controversial, whatever it was. But you find a way to get a, a, an impressive road win that looks better and better by the week, by the way. Um, Ohio State, same deal. Won, won some dud games. Um, Michigan was was 10-10 with Indiana in the third quarter last week. I mean, this is something every single school at the top or near the top has to experience. You, you win when things are great, absolutely. But you also got to win those duds. And then you got to win some in between, right? Uh, we, we can't expect Texas to come out like they did against Oklahoma. Uh, maybe – for the rest of the season, right? That maybe it was their their best ultimate stars aligning effort. So it, again, it comes back to the leadership, the coaches, the the veteran players uh, on that roster, even a Quinn Ewers, and, and I would I would throw a Hudson Card in there as well. Comes it comes down to those guys to remind you, hey, let's recenter because this thing is a gauntlet. I mean, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU, Kansas, and Baylor. I mean, there's not a lot of teams that would on paper right now be favored in all six of those games regardless of location texas might be they might be so Oklahoma state's probably the only one i could see them not being favored in because they're a top 10 team on the road but all the rest of those five they'll definitely be favored in regardless of site right so it's 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 a heck of a gauntlet uh so i do think that there's it's it's iowa state will be kind of a a breeding ground. It will be a testing ground to gauge just how mature this young offense in particular can become. 
in, in really short order here. Uh, so I do think um, Bijan has to command that room. Uh, obviously, defensively, there's a lot more uh, maturity from, from where I sit. Uh, so I, I think it's got to come down to all of those things because, yeah, the rat poison ain't going to slow down if you keep picking off these ranked teams, especially in the Big 12. Yeah, we're going to talk about the state of the program with John Garcia next, offensively, defensively, and the coaching staff. He's going to grade each unit uh, through the first six weeks. But, you know, like you said, there's a definite gauntlet uh, in the last six weeks of this season for Texas, uh, tougher really than their first six. If You know, I mean, you can count Alabama, but, you know, Sarkis continuously said the goal for this season uh, was to win the Big 12 championship. And that loss to Texas Tech, it's a bad loss. You know, Josh Neighbors from Locked On Big 12 came on and said, it's even weirder now when you can go out and beat a team like Oklahoma 49 to zero. There's a bad loss to Texas Tech. And it, you know, severely right, limits your margin for error moving forward. Because I've said all year that the teams in the Big 12 championship game will have two conference losses or less. Texas already has one, which means they would have to go five and one through these next six games to end up in the Big 12 championship. Quick word from LinkedIn, and then we're going to talk about the state of the program. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100 percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply like i said if you're interested in coaching there might be some opportunities in norman oklahoma coming up especially at the offensive coordinator position where you know he can only coach one quarterback but that's neither here nor there all right we're going to talk about our coaching staff for the the texas longhorns uh the coaching staff that showed up on saturday through six games texas is four and two they had a loss that Texas fans and Texas media treated like a win against Alabama. <laughs> and they had a bad loss to Texas Tech where we couldn't ignore it, right? And everybody started talking about, is Sark the right coach for Tech? It's crazy how the temperament changes week to week uh, in the Texas fan base. Maybe that's just a college football fan base thing. But the last two weeks, this Texas team has looked how they're supposed to look, jumping out to 28-0 to leads in both of those games. Through six weeks, how would you grade this Texas coaching staff? And would you say that this Texas program is on track, ahead of schedule, or behind schedule? That latter part is is the tougher question. So I will delay my response there, and and I'll grade I'll grade the coaching staff first. Look, I think I think Steve Sarkeesian's done a really nice job. Um, I, I think because of the I would say you know little bit of experience that Hudson card had coming into this season. There was almost an expectation. Okay. Well, Quinn is hurt card. will just kind of steady the ship and it'll all be fine. But look, those are two different players. And that's something Sark dealt with last year, you know, his first year in Austin. And, and it doesn't quite work when you've got, you know, the two cooks in that kitchen. So um, injury obviously creates a different type of scenario. And I think offensively, you got to be pretty happy with where you're at from a Texas Longhorn perspective, right? You you manufactured what at least besides the Bama game, uh, 34 points in every game. You mentioned the last two games in particular, quick starts, uh, which which is often more pointed towards the coaches, right? Because what is it? It's scripting, it's game planning. It is kind of this is how we're going to present based off of what works for us and what we think could work against our opponents. So in particularly the offensive side of the football, I, I think this thing has been a B plus. I mean, this thing's been really close to an A. Um, I do think that the Texas Tech win would have had to, uh, you know, 
been sealed there in overtime to to get the A in in my regards. Uh, but look, you still scored 34 in that game. I mean, so you know, conventionally, as a football person, you say, well, if we score 34, we should be able to win uh, at any level, high school, college, the the NFL included. So I, I think that that naturally pokes a little bit on the defensive side. But at that same token, since that point, which is which was kind of the wake up call, right? I think re- really easy to sell that as the wake up call. You're in Lubbock overtime, just just a blah kind of situation. That's the wake up call. Since then, you you command uh, right out of the gates uh, against West Virginia, which is still a pretty darn good offense. So to slow them down early was big, allowed your offense to gain momentum, and obviously against Oklahoma. I mean, the defense looked about as as good as possible. Again, if we are going to assume because there's some experience in in this type of QB-friendly system that that gives the benefit of the doubt to Texas, we should assign that same benefit of the doubt to Oklahoma in that system, right? So in that regard, even though you're facing a backup quarterback, the expectation is nearly the same, right? Nearly the same. So to shut out that group, I thought was really interesting. Oklahoma tried some wrinkles, right? Uh, We saw a lot of Jalil Farouk. We saw some uh, Wildcat uh, with Eric Gray and those guys. Uh, They tried some outside-the-box things to compensate for uh, uh, Dylan Gabriel not being there, not being ready, Uh, but but Texas answered the bell. I I thought the front seven looked really good. Uh, They were after the quarterback uh, at all times. Um, And I thought the secondary, which is, you know, Jekyll and Hyde at times, really started to to round into shape and again i think that west virginia game was a nice nice confidence booster there because west virginia all, all those receivers are six two six three big vertical threats so if you deal with them successfully you can almost feel much better about your next few opponents and 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 that holds true with texas so i think early on the defensive staff grade was probably in the c range not enough turnovers uh the texas tech uh, you know, not, not meltdown, but, you know, letdown, I would say, is, is a, a good way to put it. Now, you let UTSA jump all over you um, after the great performance against Alabama. So a little bit up and down. So so kind of in the middle, I would say in the C range. But I do think because of the last two weeks and, and the Red River rivalry in particular, you, you bump that up a little bit. So it, it, we're going B minus for for the defensive staff to this point. I do think They've utilized personnel the right way. Still still probably want more in the pass rush. Uh, but I think uh, otherwise the front seven has looked really good. Um, and then, you know, to answer the, the expectation question, J.D., I think you're above. I think Texas is above expectation because the biggest question mark is no longer a question mark, right? Coming into the season, it was can Quinn Ewers live up to this hype in this state with this group of weapons, which is, by the way, taking a hit. You know, nobody's talking about that. You know, uh, basically a rookie quarterback in a new system with less weapons than we thought he was going to have. That could have easily been, you know, you know, ammunition for the excuse gun, right? You know, hey, well, l- look at all these circumstances. Ah, Alabama, the injury. Easy to to make excuses for Texas to not be ranked, right? To, to not be where they are. Um, so I think having that, question so emphatically answered from the Quinn Ewers perspective and we saw it early on and we certainly saw it at the beginning of the Bama game and we definitely saw it against Oklahoma there's there's a control there right there, there's a comfort there um, and, and you've still got Bijan you're still featuring him in creative ways uh, which I think is is really important as well 
So I think because of that, the offense has has only improved, but the defense has come along over the last you know 14 to, to 20 days as well. So I do think you're a little bit above expectation. If you were in the preseason and you said, hey, uh, Texas was going to go and face what? three or four ranked opponents in their final six games and be favored in all but one with a chance at the big 12 title. I think every Texas fan would have signed up for it. Um, I, I think if you would have said, well, it's, it's a little dicey mid season ahead of this gauntlet. The rivalry game was tough and took a lot out of Texas and now they're looking to finish strong. I think that would have been closer to the expectation, but this feels above, especially coming off of the high of, of, uh, the game in the Cotton Bowl there against Oklahoma. So I do think Texas is above expectation relative to where it should have been, especially, again, because the biggest question mark, Quinn Ewers, is no longer a question with this team going forward. To accomplish that before Halloween is is such a big deal, and, and Texas has done that uh, emphatically. We talk about how crazy college football is. Imagine uh, telling somebody that you know hasn't paid attention to college football for the last fifteen years that Texas being four and two after six games is ahead of schedule, right? So you know, that's just where that's just wait, where we wait are. Wait till the playoff expands, right? Wait till that thing expands because now you're in it. Now all of a sudden, yeah. now all of a sudden you're in the playoff uh, positioning. So yeah, that those records are going to start to mean a little bit less on the front end, and how you look and how it feels is going to be more important than ever because it's more human input that, than it ever has been in college football which most would, would probably agree is a good thing. Definitely. So we've talked before on the show, and, and you said you talked about, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, his moniker being this offensive genius. He not only had to come into Texas and win games, but he had to win games with style and, and win games with this offense. And I believe we've seen that um, really at most points during the season. They haven't, outside of the Alabama game, haven't scored less than 34 points. They've won all four of their games by 18-plus points, and they've done it with star power on the offensive side. On the defensive side, they are definitely ahead of expectations. I mean, who thought through six games this is a defense that would be giving up a little bit less than 18 points a game? So talk about – you can grade the offense with Quinn Ewers because obviously there's been two different offenses with, with Quinn Ewers and Hudson Carr. So grade what you've seen from the offense with Quinn Ewers and then grade what you've seen uh, from this defense that's allowing 18 points a game halfway through the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that last part really quantifies it, right? Because we – again – when you're around the game, there's there's certain numbers that trigger you to a certain response, right? So it used to be, oh, um, 300 yards passing. That used to be kind of the mark. Oh, if you allow 300 yards passing, you're not a good defense. And then conversely, if you throw for 300 yards, you're a great passing offense. Those numbers are all skewed now, right? Everybody's running spread. Everybody's scoring a little bit more. So to hear those the, the numbers that count most the points obviously right it's, it's a scoreboard it's a scoreboard sport uh when, when the points are under 20 and you know the offense is going to be good and by the way again Sarkeesian deserves credit because in in what less than 20 games he started three different quarterbacks and two at least two of them were unplanned right it was not supposed to go down that way um, so he's had to hand the keys to three different quarterbacks and the offense collectively hasn't really lost a beat. I don't, I wish I had the number pulled up for the average number of score uh, of, of offensive points for Texas points scored since he took over, but it's probably North of 30. 
Um, so if if you're north of 30, regardless of starting quarterback and your defense has improved to, to allow less than 20 a game, you've got to feel really good about that positioning um, because that's, you know, that's a two touchdown margin, you know, more times than not. And you feel like, again, when it comes to your dud game and when things aren't great, that you can you know use as much of that cushion or insurance. Uh, the, the rest of the way to pull out some games that maybe you you don't deserve uh, relative to what what the game flow and, and feel is like. So I do think the defense is well ahead of schedule. Uh, they're a strong B for me. Again, I think there's there's a lack of star power there. I think there's you know I, I wouldn't know I mean, you probably know who who's the leader, right? I think optically, what we would probably the Marvin Overshone to Overshone, Agent Zero, Keandre Coburn up front. Yeah, the guys yeah. who have just kind of been there forever. It feels like, right? So that's yeah. kind of the natural, the natural lean. Uh, but from a playmaking perspective, it is fairly evenly distributed, which is a good thing. It doesn't have to be, oh, hey, we've got Will Anderson. You know, watch him work. We're all going to just sit back and watch him. Um, not that Bama's doing that, but you know, just the easiest defensive example of the last few years of, of college football. So I think that unit is a strong B. I think there's still a little bit more to be desired, but you're certainly picking up steam at the right time and allowing allowing yourself to play more free. I think the offensive comfort creates so much benefit of the doubt that now the defense can play a little free, take a little bit more risk, uh, which is again, that's what the sport has become, right? It's chunk plays, it's turnovers. And points. It's no longer about yardage and third down percentage and all that stuff. It's it's about the big plays that happen in, in these games one way or the other. And then offensively, again, I think the expectation has always been so high that averaging 30 plus points a game against a good schedule with three different quarterbacks right out of the gate feels to some, like it's not enough. It's kind of crazy to say that out loud. So that group's an A. You've dealt with adversity. You've got a super young offensive line that has uh, overperformed, I would say, to, to this point. You've dealt with injuries um, at the quarterback position. My gosh. I mean, your, your guy was hurt in game, what, three? I mean, it's – Two. Game two, yeah. So it's it's – Again, it's the fact that he's not getting more love in that regard is is somewhat surprising to me. So the offense to me is is an A. E even in your worst game of the year, you put up 34 on the road in conference. I mean, it's it's something that a lot of teams can't say. Georgia can't say that. Bama can't say that. Uh, Ohio State can't say that. They didn't get to 34 against Notre Dame. So it's it's something that not a lot of teams can say halfway through the season. So to me, that's a resounding A, especially when you factor in what we expect now going forward, that this this offense, I mean, gosh, keeping it under 35 now, all of a sudden seems like it's a win for some of these teams that they're going to line up against. Yeah, no, you you talked about, you know, taking Sark in this offense for granted, and it's crazy. Uh, they scored 34 points against Texas Tech on the road, and people were talking about his play calling and the fact that he didn't let Hudson Carr cook. Uh, it's just crazy, you know, how fast things change in, in college football. Quick word from Bilt Bar, and then I'm going to let John just talk about the star of this football team, not B. John Robinson, but Quinn Ewers. <laughs> if you haven't tried Bilt Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Bilt has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture. Real cookie dough chunks. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Go to Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCKED on 15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code locked on 15. So John, 
I did an episode. So this will come out on Wednesday, but my Tuesday episode, I came right out and I said Quinn Ewers is a top five quarterback in college football. My top five was right. <laughs> yeah, <woo. laughs> yeah, you're yeah. My top five was Bryce Young. This is irrelevant. My top five was Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers. And then I put Hendon Hooker at number five. But I said, there's plenty of people you could put at number five. You sure. put Hudson Card at number five for all I care. I know Quinn Ewers at number four. <laughs> we talked so much about how he hadn't thrown a real pass since 2020. And there may be some rust there. And will he live up to the hype? And what had he done to deserve the hype, especially in the last two years? And he's come in and been better than advertised. I've talked enough about how special the starting quarterback is for the Texas Longhorns and how spoiled we are as Longhorn fans to be able to watch him every Saturday, you know, granted he stays healthy, but I want to hear your perspective from somebody that covered him at the high school level and now gets to see it translate to the collegiate level. What has Quinn Ewer shown you thus far? And I guess what about six quarters of play? <laughs> yeah. I think the funnest thing about watching these kids transition from high school to college is measuring the things we couldn't measure in high school. Look, Quinn, big athletic Crazy arm, all right? Matthew Stafford, comps all over the place. Easy to see, easy to sell, you know, why, why he was a big deal going into, a, you know, his junior year, his senior year, Ohio State and now Texas. That that physical stuff, so easy to see. It's the other stuff that I'm starting to, like, really come around on with Quinn. For instance, his cadence, his ball handling, you know, some, some of these creative plays that Sark draws up, it, it it's not – simple it's sophisticated you're you're reversing out you're faking it to Bijan. you're you're pivoting uh the timing of some of these has to be really on point so what has really impressed me with quinn is how much he seemingly learned polished up in the two years since we last saw him really play some meaningful football um easy to to not do that right when you're the guy and you're the star and you you can run and you've got this huge arm easy to just say hey i want to sit in the pocket and sling it but he's been moved a little bit showing off some of that athleticism i think the toughness to come back much sooner than a lot of people expected i think that is worth uh saying something there were moments in that game and i'm sure your audience is more aware, aware of this than I, there were a couple moments where he was either getting hit or taking off to run that you're like, okay, what, what is he going to slide? How is he going to take this? And he's, he's diving for first downs, you know? So what's been impressive to me with Quinn is his ability to do the little things. Well, the footwork has been nice. The decision-making has been on point. Um, and, and the decision to pull back from his own, you know, strength, which is his arm strength, he pulled back on it. The whole first quarter, it felt like he never threw it as hard as he could. Against the rival with the most pressure in the game that growing up in the Dallas suburbs, you knew he was all about his whole life. It would have been so easy for him to get in there and just throw fastballs to everyone. And nobody would have blamed him, at least early on. And the whole first quarter, it felt like 60%, 50%, 70% arm strength. And until that one over route to Jordan Whittington, rolling to his left, by the way, not easy. Until that point late in the first, it felt like it, it was it was all easy, uh, scripted, you know, let's ease him in kind of deals. And Quinn bought into that part as well. Again, easy to just not think about when we're talking about quarterback play. And we see these great quarterbacks press at different times. All those guys you mentioned around Quinn, 
we've seen them press this year at some point, right? And and fire a fastball when it's unnecessary, whether it's your national champs to your, your expected high draft picks that you've talked about. We've seen them press, throw dumb interceptions, you know, and obviously Quinn threw one last week. Um, but for the most part, the decision-making and the ability to hold back and just play within the script, I think has been uh, seamless for Quinn Ewers. Uh, again, the script – uh, ahead of that Bama game was was on point a one all those those great phrases we could use to praise and then even better against Oklahoma uh, and it was and it had a lot of variance within it as well so I, I know he could drop the arm angle and throw it 60 yards and and play well on the run and and do the razzle dazzle so easy to to shine light on those plays right the one TD to to Sanders uh, that was up the seam that was just a gorgeous ball that required you know 80 or 90 percent arm strength easy to fall in love with and focus on those throws, but I'm, I'm loving what he's doing all the other times, right? You know, third and six, get that bubble screen out as fast as possible, hitting worthy in stride without having to put 90 miles an hour on it there uh, for the first touchdown uh, near the goal line. All the off-speed stuff really impressed me with Quinn, and it shows maturity and just things that you can't really judge when they're 16 or 17 years old because when we watch them at that point, everything is a fastball. Everything is – I want to make the money throw. I want to make the best throw. So there's there's a maturity with Quinn that uh, has has really been impressive just six quarters in. So really excited to say the least uh, about what he can put on to, on tape here the rest of the way. No, that's amazing points you just made because we talked all offseason about Quinn Ewers being a gunslinger. And thus far, we've seen him play within the system. When you look at the Oklahoma game, they won 49-0. The longest pass play of the day was a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage to Roshan Johnson, right? Talk about the gunslinger fitting into the system. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated, joining me once again. Always a pleasure, Longhorn Nation. I know he's one of your favorites, and as always, peace.